0: welcome to the pet loss companion i'm ken dolan del vecchio i'm here with my friend and colleague and co-author nancy Sexton lopez this is a program that we do every thursday from 6 p.m eastern time to about six thirty, give or take and it is an opportunity for us to extend the reach and to make contact with you directly uh it's based on the work that we did that ended up in being the book the pet loss companion healing advice from family therapists who lead pet loss groups and this is our opportunity to dialogue with you and so a lot of what we do on this program is we read letters your stories telling us what's happened with your pets and then we give some commentary on them we give some some thoughts and so you can reach us as follows you can reach me at Kenddv at gmail.com you can reach Nancy at nsaxtonlopez at c-s-m-p-c dot com. That's N-S-A-X-T-O-N-L-O-P-E-Z at c-s-m-p-c dot com. And you, when you write to us, if you share a story, a personal story, let us know if we can share it with our audience, both here on the podcast and also in our Substack newsletter. Mm-hmm. And if you will allow us to do that, we'll share what you send to us. We'll share any photographs you send. We, won't, we will only share your first name. We don't share our last names. And if you would prefer that we didn't or that we only share mm-hmm. our parts of the story, and not others, that's fine too. One or both of us will respond to you in any case with our thoughts on what you've written to us.
1: And also that that we you know we
0: our responses on the Substack are there too. Our responses are there yeah. too as well. Thanks right. for that. And and so you can also send us recommendations for topic, uh, recommendations for a guest, whatever you think might be useful for this audience. Please uh, share us your share with us mm-hmm. your thoughts. We as I said we just started a Substack newsletter. You can find it at. Pet Loss Companion There is a $5 monthly subscription fee. This is a new facet of the work that we're doing. And it's it's something that we're doing that we we know that some people like to listen to the videos or like to just hear the audio. And some people might gain from reading the notes that are sent to us and our responses and seeing the photographs. And also it's a way for us to make a little bit of income from the work that we're doing. So That is a new facet of our work. You can also support us through Venmo, through PayPal. All of this that I'm saying in the beginning here is in the description that accompanies either the the live broadcast or the rebroadcast or the audio broadcast on one of the podcast outlets. This program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society in Springfield, Massachusetts. Dakin does a whole bunch of great things that help people and companion animals and uh, Offer a lot of support for the for the bond between us. One of the programs that they offer is a cost-free pet loss Zoom support group that I facilitate. Cost-free; it's cost-free to participate in once a month from six to seven thirty p, uh, p.m. Eastern time on the second Tuesday of the month. So it's actually this coming Tuesday, the 9th. And the RSVP link is in the description of our program. And also, if you're if you're interested in joining us, please RSVP soon because we put a cap on attendance because it's been really well attended. And we'd love to have you there, but please do sign up early so that you can be with us. And also keep in mind that you can you can zoom in from anywhere. There are people are zooming across in from across the country, across mm-hmm. the world. We're hearing from very different, very different perspectives because people come from different standpoints when they come Mm -hmm. from different parts of uh, the country and the world. It's been very enriching. Please consider subscribing on YouTube as well. And there's a link to do that if you're not, in fact, watching the program on YouTube. Doing that affects the algorithm in a way that allows people to find the program more easily. And also, if you like the program and you can give a thumbs up and you can write a little comment, that would be tremendously helpful to all of that makes the program more readily accessible to people mm-hmm. who are looking for support with pet loss. And finally, before we go into tonight's content, I'd like to sh- tell you that we have a, an affiliation with a business that creates these really beautiful plaques, these granite plaques that are finely crafted, the business is called Bereave, and if you buy a plaque from Bereave, which you can use either as an outdoor marker or as, or as a marker where you might keep mementos of your pet inside, then you will also be giving a measure of support to us for the work we're doing on the program, and so there's the plaque that we asked them to send us an example because we want to make sure that we were promoting something that we would see as valuable ourselves. Oh my God, it's really. It's heavy. It's substantial. It's very well engraved. So, Mm -hmm. if this is something that would be helpful to you, then please consider using the link that is attached to our program. And Nancy, now you want to get us started? Yes.
1: So we have two stories tonight. Um, The first is um, Anna's story about her fin. Now this is a a difficult situation, and we've had this. Over time, a few times on our podcasts, but she needed to euthanize her beautiful Finn for um, behavioral issues, and she was so incredibly heartbroken about that. Um, but Ken's going to share that um, story with you guys, and then I'm going to talk about Haley with her beautiful Piper, and 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 that. Heartbreaking, heartwarming story. They're all heartbreaking. They're all heartwarming. But Ken, uh, it's on you.
0: Right. And here is a picture of Finn. Mm -hmm. And here is, if I can find it, a picture of Finn and Finn's sister. Haku. Haku. So both of these dogs were part of the same family. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were part of Anna's family. Mm -hmm. so let me get started here hi ken and nancy i burst out into tears today and felt i needed to write as i am two weeks removed from putting my first dog down for aggression much more complicated and multifaceted than what it sounds like and i thought i would write to see what your thoughts about some of the complicated emotions that come up with euthanizing for that reason especially when they can't help their gene pool how to reconcile that with my profession, I'm a physician, and how to reconcile that with my faith as a Christian. The pain is breathtaking and more complicated than anything I have experienced when losing a human. Thanks for listening. I'm sending two pictures of my large breeds and loves, Finn and Haiku, brother and sister, Anna. So Anna sent a note in addition to her email, and so I'm going to read that. Dear Ken and Nancy, I'm writing... Let me see. I'm writing two weeks after having put down Finn, my first dog, and I'm trying to process all of the complex emotions that come with grief. Thank you for taking the time to read my letter, and I'm grateful for your support as your videos bring me solace. Finn was a white and brindle rescue left in a box at a local rural hospital in northern British Columbia and given to my partner at a time when he had attempted suicide He had big paws and everyone suspected that he was a mastiff blue heel or cross and would grow into a large breed. With Finn at his side and something to live for, Mm -hmm. my partner went to rehabilitation and became sober. So congratulations to him. He then rescued his sister from having been tied up in a backyard in freezing temperatures. And together they had great adventures, hiking, swimming down rivers, and living on a farm. I had convinced my partner to move to a new town for better employment opportunities, for an ocean view home. And our family moved to a quarter acre lot outside of town. Everyone in our neighborhood either remarked how beautiful the dogs were or would pick up their little dogs and would cross the street to avoid us. The neighborhood dogs would invariably bark at our two dogs, the largest on the block. And it seemed to trigger a leash reactivity for Finn, Mm -hmm. who had never walked on a leash. We took him to training. We tried to do long walks off leash in the bush. And for a few years, he was content, affectionate, a ham asking for belly rubs at the pet store and all too happy to lick our friends and family with a gusto that startled loved ones. He and I were bonded, it seems. He was devoted, pranced around whenever he saw me, always needing to be nearby or touching me and would greet me every morning with a kiss and jump on the bed for cuddles and the same prior to bed. He was fearless, crossing waterfalls, scaling boulders, and once swam out 100 yards into the open ocean to try to defend his sister, who had just been bitten by a sea otter. That's Mm. something you don't hear very much. Wow. He was perceptive and protective. We had once tried to swim across a small channel. And in trying to keep my cell phone and bag above water, All the while holding two leashes, I submerged, and he circled back and allowed me to grab onto his hind haunches and tail, and we swam to shore together. In the weeks prior to his death, he had gotten a puncture wound in the the groin, which didn't look infected, so my partner and I thought we could handle it as a physician-nurse team. He then developed a severe case of subcutaneous emphysema, air under the skin, and the vet counseled that this could be life-threatening, that he would be on weeks of antibiotics and that he might not survive. He did survive, however. He developed a reactive arthritis in his back leg and would limp after a two-hour walk, which was the previous bare minimum that he needed for exercise. He started to mope around the house when let out by neighbors during the day he would just go back inside instead instead of wanting to stay outside and i knew something was wrong he was depressed he then broke two leashes and attacked two smaller dogs on a night walk mm-hmm. And we decided to put him down for aggression i hadn't realized this but my partner had said our neighbors up north had said to do this previously finn had attacked a moose calf on the property and that coupled With an attack on a deer and him biting two children who had been shoving their toys in his face made us decide that he couldn't be rehomed. And at six and a half years old, we we would have to put him down. The day before we euthanized him, we found a lump in his neck. The vet kindly did a physical and felt the rest of his lymph nodes, and they seemed mildly enlarged. Finn may have had lymphoma in any case, we went through with the euthanasia, and the loss, I feel, seems more complicated than deaths of family members. Perhaps it's because mm-hmm. I feel a sense of helplessness mm-hmm. that we fault dogs for their genes. Finn had a high prey drive and was probably a proficient hunting dog. Well, I, knew, I know we did the right thing because of his unpredictability toward the end. This was hard for me as a physician, wherein our first instinct is to save and preserve life. Yeah. right. This has been difficult to reconcile with my face as, as a yeah. Christian, yeah. as thou shalt not kill, let alone one that looks up to you with such love, such innocence. And finally, it's been hard not to ruminate about what ifs. What if I had never moved him from the farm? What if I had insisted that my partner never walk in the neighborhood due to the risk of him attacking dogs? What if we had discovered the cancer sooner and we could have, and we could have treated his lymphoma? The pain has been breathtaking. I'm miffed at my neighbors for their judgment without knowing the whole story, yeah. and I'm not sure what to do next. Thanks for listening. Well, Nancy, we've heard we've heard this story, not exactly this story, but but, but there very are, very are a lot of some, some people, of people out, the
1: out there that have dogs that unfortunately have behavioral issues that cannot be fixed. Now we, you know. Did the cancer cause part of this? Was it, was it the gene pool? I mean, look, I know Anna as a physician and she said it because I was going to say it. You're there to save, right? To, to make, make um, healthy and with Finn now at the end it sounds like there was some kind of cancer and that's her question and maybe maybe we needed to do something with that but it was pretty significant unfortunately his aggression you know and we don't know what that process would have been like for him but it was in during the first, where they were living first there were some issues. And then there became some other issues. Well, when they...
0: He attacked a couple of kids. I know. He attacked animals. He attacked dogs when he yeah. was walking. And they went for training. Yeah. And they couldn't solve this. And you know, the way that I look at this is you have to look at the the whole picture. Mm-hmm. You can't just look at this individual. You have to look at this individual in the context of family and community. And you have to make judgments that are ensuring as baseline safety. And so that's what she did. And her, her oath as a physician Mm -hmm. is to do no harm, is to try to save lives. Well, she's trying to save lives by, in fact, ending his his life. I, mm-hmm. That's the and and the way I see that is it's, it's an incredibly painful decision. Of course, It's also the only responsible decision. It really is after you've exhausted options and you know we've we've talked about this before. I had a dog named Rufus mm-hmm. and uh, he was he began to attack me and my ex wife and we did we did all kinds of training and we had uh, veterinarians who specialized in behavior, consult with us and see him. And we could not resolve this. We could not mm-hmm. resolve this. And we, uh, she was pregnant with our son at the time. And the last consultation we had, we were told you can either euthanize him, you can remove all his teeth and basically keep him away from all others. He's still gonna attack your child because mm-hmm. he wants to be dominant and he, he's irrational in that way and not trainable. Or you can you can put him in a cage right. like give him food like he's a prisoner. And we decided to euthanize him because yeah. we felt like those other two options were no kind of life for him and really no kind of life for us either. And I, I feel like this is and we've seen this we've seen this a number of times it's agonizing, it's an yeah. agonizing decision to have to make. but again, the way that I, Would ask Anna to reconcile this is to think about her responsibilities to all parties. Right. That's it. Yeah. It's you can't have response. We are all connected to one another, and you can't you can't let somebody be violent or an animal be violent, and just sort of let that let whatever happens happens. When you know that that's a great risk. Of course, and it's so great risk. That's kind of the way I, I think about this.
1: And also, look, she she says she knows she, that they did the right thing. They
0: know they did the right thing. However,
1: yes. it's like you said, it's devastating for her because that dog loved her. Yes. She loved that yes. dog. Yes. And yes. that dog, I mean, swimming and doing all these things saving and her taking, saving her. I mean, yes. that dog was so attached to her that this got to be so incredibly difficult you know um so our hearts go out to her i mean behavioral euthanasias are are difficult because usually in this case it looks like he had cancer but you know usually they're healthy physically
0: they're, they're healthy they're not healthy, they're healthy physically right. but they're dangerous right. Right, nonetheless, exactly, and you can't, you can't have that. You just, no. you just can't have it. And so the grief is, is, is devastating. It does. And she's still, she's still working with, but it will, over time, it'll all settle yes. as it, as it did for me and and my. Uh, the mother of my son and Rufus, as it does for everybody who has to make this very mm-hmm. unfortunate it's choice, very difficult. And it is the thing it's that I keep true. want to stress. Stressing is, it's a responsible choice. Yes. I don't know if you remember Nancy. We had somebody come to our meeting in New Jersey, and she had wounds all over herself. Yeah, she had a dog who had been t- physically had been attacking t- her, her for years, yeah. and and. God knows how many other people this dog had bitten, and it was it it was so unfortunate, and it was, and it was so unhealthy. I mean, she literally had scars all yeah. over the place. You recall this, yeah? Right? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that to me is the alternative, and you don't want to live. You can't live. You can't live that way, and it yeah. would be so isolating as it was for her because nobody could come and visit yeah. her, and she couldn't yeah. expose this animal to others. Yeah. You know, that's no, that's no kind of life.
1: Well, we th- look, we think, Anna, I mean, this was such a hard decision for them, but the right decision. Yep. Um, I did have a conversation with somebody I work with who's an animal behaviorist. Um, and there is a Facebook group called Losing Lulu. Um, and it is for anyone grieving a behavioral euthanasia. So there is criteria, obviously, yeah, because yeah. they're very protective of who, who comes to and wants to be uh, part of the group, but it is called Losing Lulu. Just wanted yeah. to share that we, that. we
0: have a couple comments. One is from Oscar, losing your pet is the hardest thing mm-hmm. to go through, regardless of the reasons, the pain for the loss mm-hmm. will be there. So, right. so true. Thank
1: you, Oscar. And
0: then we have from MC saying, this would be even harder than losing my pet to illness. And that is already devastating enough. It's, that's true as well. In most cases, because there's this overlay of just such sadness and of course difficulty with having made such a painful decision.
1: Thank you, MC, also. So thank you, Anna. Um, we're going to talk now about Haley and her Piper. Uh, hi, Nancy and Ken. I'm writing to share the story of my pi- Piper, my heart dog, and to share where I'm at in the grieving process in hopes of getting some feedback from you and in hopes that the story might resonate with someone else and help them too. I found your podcast really helpful in my own grief journey so far and it encouraged me to write to you. Feel free to share the story. I lost Piper four days ago on Wednesday, December 6, 2023, and I know I'll never be the same. She was a 60-pound, 14-year-old pit bull schnauzer mix with expressive brown eyes, gray scruffy hair, and the cutest eyebrows and beard that you've ever seen. When she was small, people used to ask me often if she was an Irish wolfhound, but it wasn't until years later when I had her DNA tested that I learned she was actually mostly pit bull, 60%, and schnauzer. 4%. From the moment I met her I knew we were connected. In December of 2009 she was a 3-month-old puppy new to the shelter system. She had been exposed to parvo. I needed to to foster to um and needed a foster to monitor her health for 3 weeks. I was 27 years old and new to fostering. I agreed to take her for the short-term foster assignment. So I picked her up from the SPCA of Wake County in Raleigh, North Carolina, and she sat in my lap as I drove home. On that drive, she looked up at me with those big brown eyes and I knew I was in trouble. I knew we had a connection and letting her go to be adopted would be difficult. Over the next few weeks, I got more and more attached and decided that I could not let her go. She was home. She was my second foster ever, and she became my first foster failure. She was only three months old, and even though I was only supposed to keep her for three weeks, that turned into 14 years, and I couldn't be more grateful for that time. Piper was an old soul and a maternal presence in my life. Throughout her life, she brought a loving and calm presence and and the lives of the other foster dogs, cats and kittens, that joined us throughout the years. She was also silly, demanding, and so loving. She slept in the bed with me nearly every night and always wanted to be near me. She loved food and would do a little stomp to remind me that she was there when treats were being handed out. She loved wiping her face on the couch when she was feeling great. She loved giving kisses to people and other pets and was known for nibbling on ears when given the opportunity. I always joked that she could speak English, which was mostly true. She would do her best to talk to me when she needed something, like help retrieving a bone that had fallen under the couch or a subtle demand to let her lick my plate after a meal. She was gentle and kind and always a positive part of my life. When Piper joined my family, she was my first dog, but I had three cats whom she quickly grew to love. She welcomed many foster pets into our home over the years, and there were a few that stayed with us and also became part of the family. Because of her maternal nature, all of the baby pets I fostered over the years gravitated to her, and she loved it. I'm blessed with so many pictures of foster kittens and my very nervous chihuahua cuddling with her. Even though I love and loved all the pets that have come into my life, None of them compare to the connection and the love I have for Piper, and vice versa. She is my heart dog, my scruffy soulmate, my monkey. At 13 years old, Piper had some arthritis, which was being treated, but was otherwise in good health. Then all of a sudden, in June of 2023, she briefly collapsed in our yard. My wife, who is a registered veterinary technician, and I both saw this collapse take place. And even though she seemed to immediately recover from this incident, we were concerned and decided to take her to North Carolina State University Emergency Vet Hospital, which is associated with a neurology clinic where my wife works, and only 10 minutes away from our house. There we found out Piper had a serious heart condition called dilated cardiomyopathy, and her heart rhythm was still beating irregular in VTEC. She was hospitalized and in ICU for two days while they tried to find the right combination of medications to get her heart rhythm to stabilize. It was incredibly scary not knowing what the outcome would be and the feeling that this serious medical issue came out of nowhere. After two days, we were able to take her home with an understanding that she had two serious heart conditions that were being treated, GCM, and electrical misfires that were happening on occasion causing heart arrhythmias, which could lead to her heart stopping suddenly causing her immediate death. This was a really scary proposition, but we were assured this was a quick and painless way to die, which um, was scary to hear, but also somewhat comforting. We were hopeful that we could have more time with her with the help of medication. For four months, Piper seemed back to her old self, happy, eating well, silly, everything we had hoped for. Then she had another incident where we knew her heart had a major misfire. So we went back to the vet school where we learned her condition had worsened. We increased and changed some medications and went back home. Then the day after Thanksgiving, our worst nightmare happened. Piper's heart stopped. She collapsed at the top of our stairs cried out for a few seconds and then went limp. My wife and I saw this happen and jumped into action. We were running on pure adrenaline. We scooped her up, put her in the car, and my wife did CPR in the backseat while I frantically drove to the ER. In what is basically a miracle, my wife was able to get her heart back in the car on the way to the ER. Our staff met with us a car, with a cart outside and were able to quickly stabilize her. When we walked back to see her an hour after arriving, still in her pajamas, my wife was not wearing shoes. She sat up and wagged her tail, and I've never felt so relieved. But I also knew this meant her condition was continuing to worsen, and experiencing this again a short while later was probable. Medications were adjusted again, and we took her home later that afternoon. We tried to remind ourselves that at any time after Friday, November 25th, was extra time. Then a million things could have gone differently that day and almost any changes would have meant that she would have passed on that day. My wife and I had really difficult conversations and decided that if her heart stopped again, we would not attempt CPR since we knew her conditioning was worsening and her death was likely to be very fast and CPR is hard on the body. There is no guarantee that CPR would work and if it did work, there is no guarantee that she wouldn't end up immediately rearresting on a ventilator. This was a very difficult decision to make and a hard conversation to have. Our stress was very, very high after this incident. I tried to work from home as much as possible to be with her as much as I could. Eleven days later, Wednesday, December 6th, I decided to go into work late and an hour before I was scheduled to go in, Piper's heart stopped. I was able to rush by her side and tell her, I'm right here, I'm right here. And In less than a minute, She was gone. I debated on whether or not I would want to see her pass away or not. Seeing her heart stop the first time was traumatic, terrifying, and horrible. But I loved her so much that I hated the idea of not being with her when she left. She was 14 years old. We recently lost, lost a seventeen-year-old dog in August, a rescue in our lives for six years, and a twenty-year-old cat in November who had been with me since she was a kitten. In both cases, a euthanasia decision had to be made, and in both cases, I felt so blessed to be with them when they passed, and their their passings were calm and peaceful. I knew that Piper's passing wouldn't be a, col- a wouldn't be a euthanasia and would not be calm and peaceful in the same way, and instead a collapse and a sudden. Stopping of her heart, but I knew in my heart I wanted to be with her when she left. And even though it's the hardest thing I've ever done, I'm glad I was there. I try not to think about her last moment too much, but it is on my mind a lot. My ideas around grief right now are all over the place. I'm struggling so much with the idea that she's gone and I'll forever miss her physical presence. But more than that, I'll miss her love in my life. She was a love for me that was different than anything else in my life. Our connection was different from any pet person that I've ever known. I don't think I'll ever find the same kind of connection ever again, which is so painful. I'm so hurt thinking about it, missing her and missing that connection in my life. She gave me unconditional love always, and our connection felt so strong and innate. I do believe our souls will connect again in this life or the next but I'm so pained to think that I won't be able to really feel that connection again until I pass away in 40 years if I have an average lifespan. I'm fortunate that my wife and family understand how important she was to me and how special our bond was. And because I volunteered in the rescue community for years, I have many friends who truly understand this love and loss, but no one is feeling it the way that I'm feeling it. I'm overwhelmed with grief. I'm fortunate that I have no regrets about her care in her final days and I'm so grateful that I was able to be with her when she passed even though it was the hardest thing I've ever been through but I'm crying all the time or I feel numb when I have moments of feeling normal I feel guilty for feeling that way she was so special that I feel like I should be in deep grief always even though that's that's not possible I'm struggling with that what does it feel like to continue grieving and also feeling some joy again in life how do I balance it when 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 that, when it comes? I'm in a place right now where I don't want to feel better. It feels disrespectful to Piper and our relationship. I'm dreading going back to work because to me there is no greater loss than Piper. And I don't think my work colleagues understand how significant this loss is. I want to talk about it because it's so significant and she was so significant, but I don't feel I can control my emotions right now. Thank you for taking the time to hear piper's stories and for any thoughts or insights you can share
0: Boy, this- uh, such a powerful story and i and yeah. one of the things that really jumped out at me when i read this was i was i was incredulous that they actually were able to revive her yeah I, i've never heard that before actually personally yeah. i've never heard that and so Hats off to her wife, who must be an out an outstanding. Well, I didn't
1: think she would. She she uh, works. She works She's in the field. Yeah,
0: right. But but what what Haley's describing, it's really a very, it's a very, diff, uh, com, com, uh, complex description of grief. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. like everything she's going through is very normal. It's Great. all normal. And right? the, the, the first thought I had is she was like, how am I going to do this? How am I going like, to get through this? At the same this? time, mm-hmm. like feel some joy and also feel grief. And yeah. the answer to that is I think you you just let it happen when it happens and try not to struggle with whatever you're feeling. If you're feeling joyful yeah. feelings, try not to be judgmental of that and try not to see it as being disrespectful because... Your piper would never want you to no. be sad. She no. would want you to keep having a pleasurable life, and that's mm-hmm. going to be a challenge because you're grieving. And so, but I, my, that's basically my recommendation: is let your feelings happen, let them come and go, be okay with the fact that at times you're starting to feel better, and also, yes, be wary. Of sharing at work, it's why. Yes, we. Have, you have
1: to be careful with who you share yeah, with because sometimes true. people may mean well, but they, they. It's problematic in a lot of things. That yeah,
0: and if you're, it depends on what your work is. Sometimes sure. people misjudge that to the extent that mm. they, they misjudge your competence because yeah. you are grieving for the loss of a, of a beloved oh, animal companion. Oh, I mean, oh, it's a God. real. It's a commentary on their lack of understanding right. and the cruelty with which so many workplaces. The, the 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 cruelty that's sort of normal within many workplaces. So I think it's very wise to share with your friends in the rescue people community. who you
1: love that understand. Yeah. Like in the
0: rescue groups yeah. or family, not, you know, not uh, with any people who you have any questions about and, you know, questions about whether or not they love and respect this. They understand this kind of a loss and they and also respect you this, enough to be supportive.
1: This dog was her soul heart. Yeah. Dog. yeah. And I yeah. resonate with, I, I feel like I, I need to grieve forever. I need to, I not need exactly. to, yeah. to I feel this because otherwise I'm betraying her. Right. We've right. we hear that a lot
0: we don't we don't ever really stop grieving we we hold the grief in a way that's not so debilitating over time but
1: to love
0: to love and to lose is to have grief that you carry with you i mean there i think about my lost Beloved animal companions, every day. Yeah, every it day. Doesn't, it doesn't destroy me, but I think about them, and it, yeah, you know, certain things happen dream. where I pass a certain area, or the, some mm-hmm. of them are buried in our in our yard, or we have mementos, plants that you've given us in commemoration of our mm-hmm. chihuahuas, and I feel gratitude and I feel a pang of sadness, and that we just live with our we live with our grief, we live with our grief, and so let's we have a, a number of comments that are that are new. Let me just see. So we have Oscar gave us, uh, we thanked Oscar and he wrote back, you're welcome. I lost my Jerry on November Oh, We're
1: sorry. sorry.
0: So sorry about that. And then he wrote, Mm -hmm. and thank you for providing places like this where we can meet other people that have been gone through the same same kind of painful process. And we have Grace Under Fire. I'm struggling just like Haley is struggling over the loss of Piper. There is always that one dog. One dog, right. Your heart dog when the bond can never be replicated. Uh, and one of the things I'll say sometimes we have more than one.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've more had two. One.
0: Yeah. I've had okay. a few, but mm-hmm. not every pet, not every animal can no, be.
1: I to love one. all my animals, but I have two. Heart
0: dogs. <laughs> and we have from Ryoshan. Yeah, Makita, oh, sweet Piper, she looks like very much like my son, seventeen-year-old Schnauzer mix. Oh, so nice! Sending love from that. Thailand. Thank, Thank you for that. And then we have Jindy Mahat. I can be. It can be so hard not to judge your feelings. I know. I've had more success not judging my emotions, but I'm struggling not to judge. All of the physical ailments associated with grief. And so there are many. A really important point that, it, you know, whatever your signature stress symptoms are, whether they're headaches or stomach aches or back right. aches or whatever they, tend to brains, flare, whatever, they tend to flare up yep. when we're when we're grieving. So grieving. thank you for that, Jindi. And Grace Under Fire writes, I have not recovered from losing my soul. Oh, cat avalanche. And avalanche,
1: what a great name.
0: It's much easier, but it's it much easier, goes. but never goes away. That's an important point sentence to hang on to for everybody. It's much easier, but it never goes away. And I've lost many others since so that's I think a note for perhaps us to close on is it it does get easier, but we we but still we, hold it. We hold right. we hold the grief, we hold the love, we hold the gratitude. Yeah. It never goes away. But
1: they're part of us. They become part of our soul. Yep. And our souls and heart get bigger.
0: Yep. So thank, thank you, you very much for those- the comment. Anna and Haley and everybody who's been part of this conversation through the chat, and we'll look forward to having another conversation next week. Take good care. Take care.